Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby. And your co-host, Kylie. And this is Oddities on Elm Street. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for episode 39. So our girl, Lex, is taking a little bit of time off. So we have... My lovely friend Kylie here on her Hello, behalf. Oh, yes. Yeah, so thank you for stepping in. Of course. Very happy to have you. This so, is literally my dream. Is it really? <laughs> of fall stuff. asleep to crime podcast. My you? husband thinks I'm going to murder him in his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so just a few reminders before we get into our topic. We do have a giveaway coming up within the next couple weeks, so be sure to like check back in for more information. And then, you know, we could always use some more listener tales. So if you would like to possibly have your story read on our next listener tales episode, send it in to listenertales at gmail.com. We have some new content going up on our Patreon as well. So head on over there, patreon.com slash oddities on Elm Street. Fun. Sounds like a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. I think that's all I got for that. So let's do our morbid tidbit real quick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and this blew my mind. There's a type <laughs> of surgery. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's pioneered in the 60s. It's called tooth in eye surgery. And it's Yikes. like just as it sounds. Yep. Have you heard of it? No, I have not, oh but I God. can only imagine. <laughs> so they like surgeons will literally take a blind person's tooth. It has to be their canine tooth. I have no idea why. And they put it into their eye to help restore their sight. And it like it works and it's still being wow. practiced like to this day. Um so I wrote down like the medical name. So bear with me. Oh, gosh. It's osteoodontokeratoprosthesis. You said that so good. <laughs> I feel so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if you look up pictures of this, no, it, thank you. it will never leave you. Nope. Just a fair warning. It's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Even, like, horror movies when, you know, they're getting stabbed in the eye or something. Oh, I'm I like, know. Oh, that and total fingernails grand. to oh, me. Yeah. Like, when mm-hmm. they're pulling fingernails, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, God, no. Um yeah, it's just blind moment, bl- mind blowing. Did I say blind, blind mowing? <laughs> I do that so much. I don't know why. It's such a blind moment. So blind blowing. I don't even know how to explain it. No, I just I am interested to see like I want to know how it works. Yeah, you know, because I'm like, who who thought to do that? Because my they, first question. Well, if they practice it still today, mm-hmm. yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Put me under. I'm, I mean, do they have to? Do you have nerves in your eyeballs? I still, mm-mm. I was like LASIK, you know? Well, I wear contacts, so I can still touch my eye, but knowing someone else is touching my eye, oh, just the, like really. The trust I would have to yeah, have in that no. person. I really even, scares no. me. Yeah, no, thank you. Crazy. Anyways, so last week we did a true haunt and this week we're doing true crime. Mm. So we're right going to cover. I know. That's why I picked it. I was like, I got to give her something good. So we're going to cover the case of Colleen Stan. Okay. Most notoriously known as the girl in the box. Mm. I don't know if you've. It, it might sound familiar as we go. But, yeah. Um, quick trigger warning on this one. There's lots of uh, sexual assault 
Mm. And also, if you're claustrophobic, this may not be the episode for you. All right, so let's get into it. All right. Colleen Stan was born to parents Jack and Evelyn on New Year's Eve in 1956. She was raised in Riverside, California, and was the oldest of three girls. Around the age of 16, Colleen dropped out of school and soon after married her boyfriend. And once married, she moved away from her home her hometown with her husband, but the marriage took a turn after about a year. year. Mm. So the two of them got divorced, and Colleen moved back to Riverside. Upon her return to Riverside, she met this couple from Oregon named Bob and Alice. The two of them had a two-year-old daughter that Colleen just absolutely adored. Mm -hmm. And so after a while of this friendship, Bob, Alice, and Colleen along with the couple's daughter, decide Mm -hmm. to get a place together in Oregon. So it's now May 19th, 1977. Colleen told her friends, Bob and Alice, that she was going to make a trip back down to California to surprise her friend Linda for her birthday. Bob and Alice agreed to drive her some of the way, Mm -hmm. but Colleen would have to find a ride for the rest of the way. And she's leaving on a Thursday. She assures Bob and Alice that she'll be back on that Saturday. So, it's Thursday, May 19th. After Bob and Alice dropped Colleen off at however far they took her mm-hmm. to get down to California, she had to catch a ride with someone else. Uh-oh. <sighs> I know. <laughs> and remember, this is the 70s. Hitchhiking, Hitchhiking was hiking, such yep. a normal way mm-hmm. for people to get around. So, And she didn't have a car. She had you know, gotten rides plenty of times before. And she really felt like she had a good intuition about who was safe and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. She thought she was a good judge of character. And, like, actually, that day while she was hitchhiking, she had already denied two rides. One of them was, like, a just a group of men. So she Ooh. would have been the only woman. So she's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind no, of a red you. flag. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, she feels like she has a good read on people and enough experience that she knows what situations to avoid. Mm-hmm. So when a two-door blue Dodge Colt pulls off the road to offer her a ride... And she sees a man driving with a woman in the passenger seat holding a baby. Mm. She feels like this is a safe choice. She was less than 100 miles from her destination. So at this point, she had already taken two rides to get to where the blue Dodge Colt picked her up. So she's hoping that she can just take this ride and maybe just one more and finally get to Mm -hmm. her destination. But what Colleen didn't know is that she would never make it there. Mm Mm-mm. Saturday came and went, and still no Colleen. Alice gave it a few days, thinking maybe she just decided to extend her trip. I guess Colleen's mom lived in that area, Mm -hmm. so they were thinking maybe she wanted a few more days so she could visit with her mom while she's down there. Um, The other issue is this is a time before cell phones. Right. So the friend that Colleen's there to visit, Linda, doesn't have a landline. So they're like, how do we get a hold of this woman, right? So Alice has waited. She's given it some time, but Colleen has yet to make her return. So she calls Colleen's mother, Evelyn. And Evelyn tells her that she hadn't seen or heard from Colleen at all. Mm -hmm. So Evelyn and Alice decide together to call the Westwood police, which is who would have jurisdiction over the area where Linda lived. So the Westwood police are able to track down Linda because, you know, no phone. And when they speak to her... They find that Colleen never made it to Westwood to surprise her for her birthday. 
Yikes. And obviously didn't even know that she was on her way. Yeah. Instead, Colleen had taken a ride from a man named Cameron Hooker. In the passenger seat of his car was his wife Janice Hooker and their baby as well. Mm -hmm. So when Colleen got inside, they had some small talk. They were talking about the area. And the driver, Cameron, said that his brother had mentioned some cool ice caves in the area that they were driving through. So the couple had asked Colleen about where she was headed. She told him she was traveling to visit her friend, but that it was a surprise and that her friend didn't know she was coming. So no. uh, too much just, information yes, coming to a stranger. So she started to notice that things were a little bit off. Mm -hmm. She didn't know why, but she just had this gut feeling. She's a little bit uncomfortable because she noticed that when they weren't talking, Cameron would be staring at her through the rearview mirror. Mm. So at one point they stopped to get gas and she still had this voice inside of her telling her that something was wrong. And she mm -hmm. thought, I don't have to get back in that car. I can yep. escape out the window. Um, but she didn't understand why she was feeling that mm -hmm. way. You know, they're a married couple with a baby. What are they going to do? So she, pus she pushed the voice down, got back in the car with them and continued their ride. I feel like a lot of people too, even now. They're like, oh, well, there's a woman. She can't do no harm. Well, anybody. You don't know everybody. I know. And that's it's, really hard. It's horrible that, like, predators like that use that to their yeah, advantage. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's so true. So they're, you know, they're continuing their drive. And Cameron suggests that they should stop and see those ice caves that he mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. And Colleen is feeling like she doesn't really have a say because... Mm -hmm. You know, she's not driving. Yeah. And they're, quote, unquote, doing her a favor. So they pull off onto this dirt road, and the car comes to a stop. Uh, Janice, the woman in the passenger seat, gets out of the car with her baby and starts walking up ahead. And before she knows it, Cameron is in the back seat with Colleen holding a knife to her throat. <sighs> oh, that's so scary. He commands Colleen to put her hands in the air. He handcuffs her, blindfolds her gags her, and puts a wooden box over her head. Like, it's so strange. He, like, he engineered this himself. And I'll get into, like, it's it's just wild. Mm -hmm. And the box had sat next to her in the seat the entire time. But you could, you, like, you could you have known. You would never yeah. know. Nope. So this box was 20 pounds. She could barely hold her head up. Oh, my gosh. She was told to lay down in the back seat. And the sleeping bag that she had brought with her was thrown over top of her. So, like I said, the box was crafted by Cameron himself. It was padded on the inside, making it nearly impossible to hear anything happening around her. That's so She creepy. wasn't able to see anything, and mm -hmm. it latched closed. So, before we get into what happened after that, mm -hmm. I want to talk about who Cameron and Janice Hooker are. Mm. So the two of them met when Janice was a freshman in high school. She was 15 and Cameron was 19. Um, Janice kind of had like a troubled home life. She mm -hmm. wasn't really paid attention to and her dad specifically didn't really want anything to do with her. Mm -hmm. And it's strange because Janice later said that she felt because she had epilepsy that her seizures scared her dad into thinking that she was possessed by a demon. Oh my demon. gosh. Yes. So she thinks that that's the reason he didn't want a relationship with her is because Ugh. he thought she was possessed. That's so sad though. It really you're is. like, I can't help this, but. Right, right. So, you know, and her relationship with her mom is pretty much non-existent 
for the most part, she was raised by her older sister. And Janice's mom would really only communicate with her to tell her that she was a disappointment. So she's met Cameron. Mm-hmm. And as it goes with mm-hmm. most grooming relationships, he's giving her all of this validation yeah. that she's not getting from anywhere else. And strangely enough, Janice, similar to Colleen, had dropped out of school and gotten married very young with Cameron with her parents' permission at the age of 16 years old. Oh, wow. Right. So it was clear that, like, something wasn't right about Cameron. He had an obsession with BDSM, which is Mm -hmm. perfectly fine and normal, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that he wanted to do this with someone against their will. You know? Yikes. Yep, no. Janice wasn't into it at all, but she was feeling pressured by Cameron because... Remember, this is an older man, and he's telling her things like, my other girlfriends would let me do this. So she feels like if she doesn't participate, she's going to lose the only person that she feels cares about her. Yeah, she probably feels like she's not good enough Right. And that really hurts her, especially if she's going already had gone through all that stuff. Yeah, well, and especially at such a young age, too, because Mm -hmm. you're so impressionable. And you just want to be accepted, you know. So she gives in. But on one occasion, Cameron had tied her up and dunked her into a creek, and she almost drowned. So after that, she's like, "Mm, I'm good. Like, as the BDSM? Yes. Yeah, that was, like, one of his big things for some reason was water. I don't know. That's, yeah. It's very strange. So time goes on in their marriage. Janice is still having to do a lot of things that she's really not comfortable with, Mm -hmm. and she's getting tired of it. Because what she really wanted to do was become a mother. Oh. Um, but she was terrified of Cameron mm-hmm. because he would get mad at her if she didn't participate in the way that he wanted her to, mm-hmm. or if she gave him, um, too much trouble. He had even like threatened to kill her and told her exactly how he would do it. So mm-hmm. he begins to bring up this idea to Janice that they should enslave a woman for Cameron to do whatever he wants with. And Janice kind of sees this as a way out. Because as of right now, she's taking the brunt of all of that abuse. Yeah, any way out for her, she's probably going right. to be like, yep, bye. Yeah, so she has never really wanted to be in this position. Mm-hmm. So she agrees to it, but only if Cameron will give her a baby. And this <gasps> is so wild. That, yeah. Like, what does that conversation look like? You know what I mean? Like, I know. Ugh. So if Cameron gives her a baby, she's fine with it. And... He has to promise to not have penetrative sex with this woman. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is pretty much what happened. Janice got pregnant and Cameron continued to hunt for someone to fulfill these sick fantasies. So back to the day of Colleen's abduction, March 19th or May 19th. Colleen is laying in the back seat of the car with this homemade box over her head while Cameron's driving. Janice is holding the baby in the passenger seat. 1140 Oak Street is the address where Colleen would be held captive. When they arrived at the couple's home, it was dark outside. Um, I guess they had a lot of time to burn, so while Janice was laying in the back seat, they decided to stop and get some fast food. Of course. Yeah, because (laughs) they're like, we don't want the neighbors to know what we're up to. We gotta wait until it's dark out. So the box is taken off from Colleen's head and she's led into the house. Cameron takes Colleen down to the basement while Janice puts the baby to sleep upstairs. 
This is just so crazy to think about that these children are like, this is their childhood. They're growing up in this house and there's a woman in their basement. And they're probably acting like it's like normal. It's so normalized. And it gets- Which is so spooky. It really is. Mm -hmm. And it gets so much worse towards the end. So um, I won't go into like crazy detail about the things that Colleen had to go through. But upon being brought down to the basement, she's immediately hung from the ceiling, stripped of her clothing, and the torture began. So during this, she actually blacked out. And when she woke up, Cameron and Janice were having sex underneath her. Yeah. The way my jaw drops. Yeah. I can't even my image right now. Mm-mm. No, I know. You can't even fathom it. Was she hung like by her hands? By or her wrists. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's suspended. And then after this, her arms and legs are shackled. The box is placed back over her head and she's uh, placed face first inside of another box. Oh, gosh. So that her backside is exposed. So she's begging with Cameron saying that she can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And in response to this, he comes back in and wraps something tightly around her chest to restrict her breathing even more. Like this guy's a Mm -hmm. dick. And then he places a device in between her legs that's meant to shock her throughout the night. But thankfully, it wasn't working. I mean, I dare say thankfully, but it wasn't working. So as that first night went on, Cameron would continuously come down the stairs and put his hand on Colleen's back. And she she thought, like, he must be checking to make sure I'm still breathing. Mm. So for that first week, Colleen spent most of her time suspended. First week? Yeah, for the first week, she spends most of the time suspended from the ceiling. Um, And she's just hanging there while Cameron is... (laughs) Cameron's in the basement building the new box that he planned on keeping her in, okay? And that is the box where she would spend the next seven years of her life. Shut up. Also, the image of you watching literally your grave being dug. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine. She probably had that feeling too. Yeah. I can't imagine the horror. Oh my God. Seven years. Oh my gosh. No. (sighs) Yeah. So, and she was kept inside this box for the majority of the time. And for a while, she was only let out to eat and be tortured. Mm -hmm. But after a few months, he would actually let her out to help him with projects in the basement. Hmm. And um, while doing this, though, she was still blindfolded. Um, But he would, like, have her help build a room under the staircase where she would continue to be kept inside of that box. Um, He would also... This is so fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) He would also have her knit uh, macrame, I think is how you say it. And then him and Janice would go sell that shit. At the local fairs. Yeah. (laughs) No! Yeah, yeah. Yikes, no way! These people are just cuckoo, so... That's so rude. (laughs) I know. It's like literal slavery at that point. So a few other things that Cameron did to Colleen included things like sensory deprivation, you know, because she's being held inside of this Mm -hmm. double-lined box. She can't hear anything. She's blindfolded, so she can't see and then he would put earplugs in her ears as well, just to make it 
even worse. And, you know, when I was reading about that, I, I was thinking to myself, like, that's the type of shit they do to, like, prisoners of mm-hmm. war. Like, these are torture techniques for real. Yeah, and you tend to go a little bit crazy when all of your senses are taken away. Yeah. Um, there was something else about that where they were like, I can't even remember what it was, so don't quote me on it, but where they would take away, like, your hearing or your sight or something, and then people would tend to, like, go crazy because yeah. of that. And then when I was thinking about her, you know, with the box over her head and touch her back, the mm-hmm. way that would scare the crap out of me. Yeah, because you, you don't know what's you coming. You never know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just, he must have studied like different torture techniques because he had also built like this type of rack. It's hard to explain, but the way I picture it is like the medieval torture devices where people are like strapped and stretched mm -hmm. out. So he had built one of those and it's, it's sad because he seems like a really handy guy, (laughs) but like, obviously he's using it for like in the most fucked up way. Yeah. Besides that, he was, like, almost illiterate, but he's great with his hands, you know? Build a treehouse or something. Yeah, I I know, know. right? So, you know, those that's just the type of stuff he would do to her, along with burning, electrocuting, submersing her in water, all sorts of awful things. Mm. So, on January 25th, 1978, eight months into Colleen's captivity... Cameron and Janice both come to the basement and tell Colleen to take off her blindfold. Which, to her, she's probably scared to death, thinking, Mm -hmm. like, this is it, you know. But Cameron hands her a contract. These are just a few things that the contract required. Colleen would now be known as the letter K, and she was Cameron's property. She was to call him master and wear a collar to show ownership. Which eventually, this is horrifying, the collar wore out, so instead Cameron pierced her labia. Yeah. I have no words. Yeah. To get Colleen to believe that all of this is real, Cameron told her of something that he called the company. And according to him, the company was an underground organization that traded females with the intention of making them into lifelong sex slaves. It sounds very similar to current day trafficking sure. to me. Um, but he basically convinced Colleen that the company was everywhere. They were constantly watching. And if she was to ever try and escape, she would be punished to like mm-hmm. the maximum, you know? He God, also. That's so scary. Yeah. And he told her too that if she told anyone, the company would kill whoever she told. Um, and he made it really believable. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Janice had to get knee surgery um, for something totally just Mm -hmm. like a... Something random. Yeah. And when she came back, she was wearing a knee brace. So Cameron told Colleen that Janice was once a slave and had tried to escape. And the company found her. Well, he said the police had found her and brought her back to her owner. And then the company um, hung her on a cross and put nails through her knees and hands and Cameron was her hero. He was the one who saved oh, her. Oh, what an ass. And then, so afterwards, she had to go undergo all these surgeries to get her knees corrected. <sighs> now, obviously, none of that's true. But yeah. Janice, was, you know, she's afraid of Cameron, so she backs up the entire mm-hmm. story. So you can see why it would be hard to differentiate what's the truth and what's not. Mm-hmm. 
And he reinforced this idea so many times that it left her terrified. Mm -hmm. So Colleen signed the contract and Janice signed the contract as a witness. It's just like they've thought of everything. They really have. They built this little business. Yes. That doesn't even exist. No. (laughs) It's so crazy. So with this contract, though, did come more freedom. And at this point, she's pretty much like their nanny. Uh, She was allowed to cook and clean for them. Mm. Uh, She could tend to the the garden. And for the most part, she was allowed out of the box to sleep in the workroom that she Mm -hmm. built underneath Mm -hmm. the staircase. So as time goes on, Colleen notices that there's been a lot of commotion upstairs. She hasn't been fed in a couple days. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't know what's going on. But one night, Cameron rushes down the stairs puts the box back over Colleen's head and brings her to the car where she's told to lay down as they start driving. And once the car stops, she's brought out and could see, um, she sees a mobile home and was told this is their new house. Hmm. I guess they specifically wanted to move to a more secluded area for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and the problem they had with the house before was that they were renting it. And they're doing all that in the yes. basement. So Cameron renting it. Yes. So Cameron's afraid that the landlord might just like come in one day and see all the shit he's got going on. So Colleen's led inside their new home and is brought to what would be Janice and Cameron's bedroom. And the bed, of course, is custom made by Cameron. Of course it is. And had like a small entryway built into the front. This is where Cameron had placed that box that Colleen was originally kept in. And this is where she would continue to stay, mm. in the box, underneath Under, their bed. Their bed. Yes. And, Jan- by the way, Janice gave birth to her second child on that bed while Colleen lay underneath it. Well, she probably couldn't hear anything, right? Probably was, not. But just the thought but the, of, like... Yeah, the thought of that. Like, you're just, giving birth to a baby and, and you have a prisoner under, under your bed. Yeah. So insane. So, for the first few months in this new place, Colleen was really, again, only let out to eat and mm-hmm. to be tortured. But in 1981, there was quite a bit of time where she wasn't kept inside the box at all. She was allowed to do the same types of things she was before, but this time, Cameron also allowed her to go out jogging alone. Wow. Um, which just shows, like, how well he's manipulated her Mm -hmm. because he fully trusts and believes that she would never tell anyone Mm, because he's gotten inside her head another occasion cameron allowed her to go to a bar with janice and they had met some guys and went back to the guys houses what so there were so many opportunities to get out but she was so afraid of the company that she you know stayed quote-unquote loyal to cameron she had also grown very close to their children. Mm. Their kids kind of knew Colleen as their nanny, which is very fucked up. But That's so sad. She also um, is allowed to sleep in the back bathroom, but only if she's chained to the toilet. And on one night, one of the children walked in on Colleen chained to the toilet. So from then on, she was told to lock the bathroom door from the inside so essentially, she's locking herself into the bathroom at night, but is still so scared that she's like, I'm not even going to attempt to leave. 
Well, do you know what happened? Like, did the kids say something to parents? Nope. <sighs> nope. That poor kid. Um, and kind of like you were saying earlier, I think it's just so normalized to them. Yeah. At this point. Uh, Colleen eventually gains enough trust from Cameron that he actually allows her to call her family. And he even told her, like, if you want to visit, we can set it up. But he told Colleen, like, oh, I'd have to convince the company mm. to let you go and, you know, convince them that you're trustworthy. So since they knew that they she wasn't coming back or that, you know, it's been a few days, we don't know where she is, and she didn't make it to her friend's house in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now they know that she's safe? Right. So at this point, it's actually been years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now it's March of 1981. Mm-hmm. And Colleen shows up unexpectedly with Cameron to her family's home. Because at this point, like, I mean, her family's shocked. They've believed mm-hmm. her to be missing for all of these years. And she doesn't share a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on. But she somehow convinces them that she's fine. She actually introduces Cameron as her fiancé. And she tells them that he's he was taking a computer course out in that area so she decided to stop in and visit them and they didn't really question it i guess they were just happy that she was alive and from what they could tell she seemed to be doing well i guess they actually really liked cameron as a Mm. person well he's so manipulative right right and um they actually came forward later and said that the reason they didn't question it too much was because they thought it was possible that she ran off and joined a cult well Yeah. So by this point, so much has changed. Her parents have gotten divorced and remarried. Mm -hmm. She had younger half siblings she didn't even know about. But during their stay, Cameron allowed Colleen to go to church with her mom and sister. But in the middle of service, he told her it was time to go. She was, you know, understandably upset because Cameron made it seem like they were going to be visiting for like a weekend, mm-hmm. but really it had only been about four, uh, 24 hours. Mm. So she said her goodbyes. And although she has like this deep longing to tell her mother mm-hmm. what was happening, she was so scared that they'd be killed yeah. by the company as a result. So she went back to the mobile home with Cameron. Mm. When they got back, Cameron told her she had to go bo- uh, she had to go back in the box after a year of freedom. She was given the this is so strange to me. She's given the chance to say goodbye to their children and even to some of their neighbors because she's out jogging in the neighborhood. She's getting to know suspicious. these people, right? If she just disappears, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to wonder what's up. And they all knew her as just like Kay, the babysitter, Mm -hmm. you know? So she says her goodbyes to everyone and continues her captivity in the box for an additional three years. (sighs) Yeah. So 1984 rolls around. She's finally brought back out. Janice reintroduces her to the kids and to the neighbors again as Kay, the babysitter. Kay, the babysitter's back. back. Oh, my God. And she's given some of that freedom back. Colleen was having a really hard time understanding why, after all this time, Mm -hmm. she was allowed out of the box. But it was because Cameron wanted to build an underground dungeon and he needed her help. Of course. God, I'm rolling my eyes so hard. Yeah. (laughs) 
So they had like a small shed on their property. So at night, Cameron and Colleen would go out and dig out like the ground in the Mm -hmm. shed until it was big enough to create a room. And once the dungeon was finally finished, this is the new place where Colleen would would be kept. Mm. Again, Um, digging up your own grave. So scary. It was pretty short-lived, though, because, again, the children were out in the backyard playing hide-and-seek mm. with their cousin. And one day, they crawled in there. It's not clear if they saw Colleen or not, but Janice saw them coming out of the shed. So no. her and Cameron were worried that their niece would go and tell yeah. her parents that she saw something. Unfortunately for Colleen, nothing ever came of it. Mm. But as a result, Colleen was forced back into the box. This time for only a couple weeks. And when she was let out again, Cameron told her she needed to get a job. What? Yes. He again, told her. an ass. <laughs> yeah. He, and the, the excuse for this is, uh, I have some fines from the company. Oh, gosh. For, you know, having you as a slave. So I need you to pull your end of the deal. You need to go get a job. So she actually does. She gets a job as a maid at a place called King's Lodge. She becomes really close with the woman who hired her, told her a little bit about like her living situation, mm-hmm. but you know, was still so Obviously, scared of yeah. the company and everything. She kept a lot of her personal information to herself. And this woman, I believe her name was Doris, thought it was a strange living arrangement, obviously. Mm-hmm. But she's like, what can I do? You know? And you don't want to be, like, too judgmental about... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just not yeah. looking into I mean, it and stuff. But think about, like... I mean, I don't know how normal this was back then, but live in nannies now. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if someone told me that they were a live-in nanny, I wouldn't even think right. twice of it. No. So, as time goes on, Janice and Colleen actually start to get closer. At the beginning... It was horrible because Janice was jealous right. of Colleen. Mm-hmm. And I guess Janice, at this point in her life, is really into, like, reading the Bible. And she would allow Colleen to join her sometimes. Mm-hmm. Janice really specifically liked the story of Abraham and Sarah, which, mm-hmm. if you don't know, Abraham and Sarah in the Bible were married. Sarah wasn't able to conceive a baby, yep. so she allowed Abraham to impregnate their concubine there was a lot of jealousy involved and whatnot the handmaids too right that's mm-hmm. what this reminds me of yep. but on a smaller scale and so much worse because yep. it's real life <laughs> <laughs> um so eventually janice and colleen start to attend church together and janice starts to get a guilty conscience at this point they've held colleen captive for seven years Yep, there it is and it's She's now, now that they're spending time together, she's she's humanizing her mm-hmm. in a sense. She's not just the woman underneath the bed that right. I don't have to think about because I don't have to see her, you know? And while Cameron is doing whatever he wants to Colleen, he is still continuing to abuse Janice. Mm-hmm. So, like, during the trial, they showed a picture of Janice pregnant being suspended from the ceiling like he would do to Colleen. <sighs> So that's definitely still going on. And like I said at first, although she at first was somewhat jealous of Colleen because of the relationship right. that 
her and Cameron had, not that it was her choice, but now she's starting to feel like Colleen can understand her Mm -hmm. and that the two of them have something to relate over. They're Mm -hmm. both kind of going through this together in a sense. So on August 9th, 1984, Janice shows up to King's Lodge to find Colleen. She goes into the room that Colleen's cleaning and tells her the truth about everything. She tells her the company doesn't exist. I was never a slave. We need to leave. Colleen tells her boss, like, hey, I I need to go. But her I boss is like, here. oh, you know, I need you to finish your shift. So she fucking does. <laughs> this, this, she is dedicated. Yes, this bad bitch finishes her shift. <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to leave you stranded, Doris. Yes. I got you. So she finishes her shift. And then afterward, Janice picks her up and they go to their church to meet with their pastor. <sighs> they tell him everything. His response is pretty much like, just shock he's like what are you even doing here go home and pack your stuff you need to get out of there but there's a problem it's the end of the day and cameron will be home soon i hate cameron so they had to get through one more night Mm. so it's the next morning and colleen and janice start packing up everything they can while Mm -hmm. cameron's at work colleen called her dad and told him she needed some money to get home So he wired her some money to cover her bus fare. Mm -mm. But before she gets on the bus to go home, she makes one last call. And it's to Cameron. Stop. She said, quote, I just wanted to tell you that I'm leaving, that I know you lied about everything and you can't keep me here anymore. End quote. Well, I guess it's like one last like screw you. Yeah. Yeah. And and Cameron cries on the phone with her. (sighs) gross he's despicable (laughs) i know (laughs) so when colleen got home she told her family everything her family you know immediately wants to bring her to the police Mm -hmm. station but janice made her promise she wouldn't go to the police because janice said she thought she could fix cameron (laughs) like this is how manipulated these women are yeah but just remember she's been with him since she was 15 years old she's never been with anyone else So she says, you know, I think I can fix Cameron. She says that her and Colleen, quote unquote, owe him that chance. Okay. That's what she said. Mm. Um, And Janice actually only spent a week with her family before packing everything back up, including her children, and bringing them back to Cameron. She brought her kids back too? Yes. Yes. She took him to church in the hopes that it would change him, but obviously Mm-mm. didn't work. Um, so Janice confided in a friend about everything, and this friend convinced her to go to the police. So at the police station, she turned her husband Cameron in, not only for the abuse and for Colleen's imprisonment, mm-hmm. but also for murder. Murder. Yes, I said murder. Colleen wasn't the first. There was actually another woman, 19-year-old Marie Elizabeth Spinaki, I want to say. Is how you pronounce Mm -hmm. it? So on January 31st, 1976, Marie accepted a ride from Cameron and Janice. She had moved to California from Cleveland to live with her fiancé. 
And she was walking home because mm. they got in a fight, mm-hmm. her and her fiancé oh. did. So when she hadn't made it home by February 2nd, her fiancé reported her missing. And actually for a long time, he was considered a person of interest. Because that's always Yeah, it's, the you know, it's always the partner. But what really happened was that Marie accepted this ride from Cameron and... They drove her to her destination, but as she's getting out of the car, Cameron grabbed her by the hair and pulled her back in. He abducted her in the same way he did Colleen. Mm-hmm. He he held her at knife point, put the box over her head, and they drove to their home. Um, he brought Marie inside. He hung her up, started yeah. assaulting her, and during this, she's screaming in pain. Well, so yeah. he, he attempts to cut her vocal cords. <gasps> yeah. According to Janice, this is Janice's account. She's telling police this. He shot her in the stomach twice with a pellet gun. Oh, my God. And then strangled her to death. Oh, my God. And she said she thought it was just one of those things where, like, he had tried to cut just the vocal cords, but there was so much blood. He's like, I'm losing control. I'm just going to kill her. So he strangles her, and then Cameron and Janice then take... Marie's body to a wooded area where they dug a shallow grave and buried her. Until Janice's confession, no one knew what had happened to her. Mm. She tried to help police locate the body, but once they got out there, she couldn't remember where exactly she was, and they still, to this day, have not found Marie's body. That poor girl. What a baby. 19. 19 years old. Yeah. Mm. Something else is that while the trial was going on, prosecutors called Marie's fiance and told him that they had the ma- the man responsible for Marie's murder. And he cried and was so thankful because mm-hmm. Marie's parents actually both died believing that he was her killer. Oh, I yeah. hate those when the parents always pass away I know. before and they don't before know. Before the resolution. Yeah, it's, it's so awful. sad. So Cameron was arrested on November 19th of that year. Janice was given full immunity for testifying against him. Mm. And in the end, he was sentenced to consecutive prison terms totaling 104 years Mm -hmm. for sexual assaults and kidnapping. Unfortunately, they weren't able to charge him with Marie's murder because they never found a body and there's no evidence to pin. But what's crazy is that they, he was, he was actually um, eligible for parole. What? This year. His hearing date was moved up to 2015. At that that time, thankfully, his request for parole was denied. But then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. They considered granting him parole in March of 2021. And he was released to the Department of State Hospital. So he's now eligible for full release due to like changes in state laws. But to try and keep him behind bars, prosecutors are trying to fight for Cameron to be labeled as a sexually violent predator. Mm, which is a little he, more than that. Which, yeah, but if he's labeled that, mm-hmm. it would result in him staying behind bars, mm-hmm. whether that be a state hospital or back in jail. Gotcha. And that decision will be determined in October of this year. Wow. So I definitely want to check in later on and give an update about that how old is he now i don't know and i'm gonna look it up real quick but i know that um part of the change in law 
is a program that California has for elderly prisoners mm, that they could be eligible for release sooner because they're elderly. Because they're older. Like, hmm. I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah. Let me see. He's got to be at least in his sixties. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Sixty nine. Sixty nine. So almost seventy. So after the trial. Colleen began studying for an accounting degree. Hmm. She tried as best she could to move forward. Yeah, but that's hard. you know it's hard, and she suffers from back and shoulder pain due to the yeah. abuse, and you know has PTSD. It's clear that she was struggling to separate herself for a very long time because she mm-hmm. did continue to write to Cameron while he was in jail, and a lot of people have said it's like. A Stockholm Syndrome yeah. type of mm-hmm. situation. But when you're manipulated for so long, especially at such a young age, 20 years mm-hmm. old is still very you're young. Still really and young, yeah. It's so hard to break free when that's your normal, you know? Mm-hmm. So for seven years, that's it's such a long time to yeah. just be able to move on. Ugh, so girl. in a 2015 court hearing, which I believe was his parole hearing Mm -hmm. where he was denied the first time she actually went on stand and opened up about having difficulty holding down a job or Mm -hmm. a marriage but she has done some really amazing things she's volunteered for a women's refugee or refuge center to help abused women janice reverted to her maiden name and mm. became a social worker that specializes in mental health. So oh I'm like, God. so proud of her. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Both of them, both Janice and Colleen, continue to live in California, but they no longer communicate. Mm. Like that was cut that was cut off pretty pretty soon after his arrest. Yeah, that would definitely trigger yeah. something. So in 2009, Colleen wrote a book called The Simple Gifts of Life. And that kind of gives a glimpse into the type of things that she had gone through Mm -hmm. she kind of talks about like how she got through it Mm. um how you know when you're in that situation your mind can take you anywhere and it's very interesting so if people want to read that that'll be on my to be read list yeah and every year since she and her family celebrate the anniversary of her escape at the beach i love that for her Mm. that's awesome and for her to be you know, live and happy and to just be living life is probably so it's overwhelming. Yeah. It really is because you get so emotional because you were so manipulative, manipulated at yeah. first. Mm-hmm. And now that you know that you've overcome it, it's just so beautiful. Right. And she in her book talks a lot about just how grateful she is for freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that mm-hmm. people take for granted yeah. a lot. But what a beautiful thing to just be your own person, you know, mm-hmm. and be able to live your life how you want. So her story is definitely very inspiring and it she is. is a badass bitch. Yeah, for real. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, that is the story of Colleen Stan. I love that. I was scared I was going to drive home and be sad, but now I feel really giddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. That was really good. I'm like decompressing. <laughs> yeah, you really gotta to. take it in. 
But yeah, so I hope everyone has a lovely rest of your week and remember to always keep it spooky. Mm-hmm.